Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Always the same message. Oh, we're unavailable. Leave a message. Well, here I am. It's Trucker Rich, the the one and only. <laughs> yes, sir. And I'm climbing up the big hill here, heading towards the Twin Tunnels on I-70. Going to un- go underneath the Continental Divide, right at about 10,000 feet. It's going to be very exciting. But anyways, what I wanted to call and tell everybody about, this isn't for Russ or Pete. This is for all the listeners out there. Do you realize there is only one man brave enough to go to Dayton Handbenching and advocate for free software? And that man is Russ Woodman, and he needs your help. He needs you to dig deep into your pockets. Maybe you'll find a $5 bill or a $10 bill, and then he needs you to go to the Indiegogo campaign. He's going to surely tell you all about it, I'm sure. And then he needs you to donate that money to the cause. Help advocate for free and open source software in amateur radio. You'd think there'd be a, you know, you know they got that audio alley. You'd think there'd be the open source uh, alley or something like that. But no, nothing. No CQR log, no chirp. I don't know what else is there. Uh, no, I don't know. Anybody can think of anything? FL Digi, he might be there. I don't know. But anyway, there's nobody there. Only Russ, all by himself. It's the least you can do is help him out. You know, maybe if you if you don't want, maybe you got some gift cards for Christmas. Maybe one for the Shell station. Why don't you send it his way? He'd appreciate it. It'd help him get out there. All right, 7-3, everybody. I'm going to go in the tunnel, and I'm going to lose the cell phone signal. Bye. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number one, two, three of Linux in the Ham Shack. I am your host, Russ, K5TUX, and with me tonight, uh, as he has been for several episodes from just outside of Montreal, Canada, is the most polite podcaster in the universe, Pete, VE2XPL. How are you doing tonight, Pete? Good day, eh? Episode one, two, three. That's pretty exciting. I actually can't wait till episode uh, 789. You know why? Why? Because I can use the joke. Why is six afraid of seven? <laughs> because it ate nine? Because seven, and eight, eight, nine. nine. That's yeah, right. that's Woo! right. Yeah. Anyways, I have to wait another uh, 600 and some episodes before I could use that. <laughs> uh, that'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> and no one will remember that I used it already, so I'll be okay. I don't know that you'll remember that joke then. <laughs> I'll be too senile by that. Because it'll be 2041, I think, somewhere. Right? I'll be yeah. retired. I'll have lots of time to podcast. Yes. Uh, also with us tonight is uh, Cheryl. How are you? I'm fine. I'm direct from Snowmageddon, Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I got like two inches last night. <laughs> Every school in the area is closed. Yeah, when I left work, all the businesses around here were closed, too. It still amazes to me sometimes that people can still roll up the streets, you know, because we got yes, an yeah. inch and a half of snow. I laugh, but you guys are, you know, all off, and I had to work today, so you guys should be laughing at me, really. <laughs> uh, we laugh at you frequently, so that's okay. We'll spare you this time. 
Yeah. <laughs> I doubt All right. That. We'll and see as time goes. Yeah. We have a special guest with us tonight from uh, from a place in the country where they understand what snow really means. Uh, we have Jay uh, Kilo Delta 8 Echo Uniform Romeo, if I remember correctly. That is correct. All right. Um, many we, of you. We just passed uh, eight feet of snow. So. You're two right. inches. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> come on. <laughs> if we had eight inches of snow here, people would be paralyzed for a month. We, we wouldn't even bother shoveling it eight inches. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, a nice summer day. My four-wheel yeah, drive exactly. will go over that. I don't need to shovel. I don't need to move any of this around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, That's what we were saying last night. It's all in what you're used to, right? So Yeah. Uh, well, Jay has come to my attention uh, from his other life, which we may or may not get into later, and uh, he is a great guy, and while you may or may not know who he is, uh, this ought to be an interesting program uh, with his presence. So, um, Does he train lesbian Nazi midgets, and that's why we're not talking about it right away? Oh, you you got it in one, man. <laughs> we, we can't talk about it. <laughs> no names will be mentioned. Yeah. Sharon. <laughs> well, we already gave his call sign. I guess we'll have to bleep that in the released version. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. already degenerating. Uh, as I knew it would. Anyway, Jay, the way this works is uh, we'll probably talk to you about you later on, but you're welcome to chime in on anything you hear between now and then and uh, afterwards until we decide to go off air in our separate ways and all of that good stuff. Ready. All right. Good deal. So with that said, I got to look at the Etherpad because I've already forgotten that we do a show and... We have some news, and Pete we put do. this. In. Yeah, Pete put this in there. So go ahead, Pete, talk about it. Yeah, Facebook turns ten years old today. I thought it was very exciting, so we decided to have a show to celebrate. You know, we uh, <laughs> we love Facebook. We love to hate it, but you know, everybody's on it. So I just thought I'd mention it because, you know, like it or not, it's kind of changed uh, the way we look and, and deal with social media. So there'll be a link in the uh, show notes to attend interesting uh, Facebook facts. I've or sorry, fifty Facebook facts that are interesting. I've listed some that I thought were kind of kind of neat. Uh, uh, let's see. One in every 13 people on Earth is on Facebook. Uh, 71% of all the USA Internet users are on Facebook. But strangely, 70% of Facebook users are outside the United States. So I thought that was an interesting figure. Uh, in 20 minutes, 1 million links are shared on Facebook. People that use Facebook on their mobile devices are twice as active on Facebook than non-mobile users. I also noted that they're probably also twice as likely to get run over by buses because they're looking at their cell phones and maybe even more likely. Yeah, no, most likely. Well, actually, recently, let me go on a usual tangent. Uh, about a month or two ago, here in Montreal, a girl was was listening to her iDevice and looking down at it in the subway, in the Montreal subway, and she walked in between two cars and got killed because she wasn't paying attention. It's not a joke. Uh, you know, people get hurt. So uh, don't, don't text and walk. Yeah, so, <laughs> don't text and do anything, really. Yeah, it's like, I, mean, make... it's, I see people bump into each other, walking the doors. It's like, you know, that was kind of, you know. Pretty sure it's just going to be, they're going to show people who are like in bed with restraints texting because that's the only safe way to do it. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So, but anyways, uh, tangent closed. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Over the New Year's uh, weekend, 750 million people uploaded photos. 48% uh, of 18 to 34-year-olds check Facebook right away when they wake up. 
losers. And it's the uh, second biggest website by traffic behind Google at the moment. So um, let's see, evaluated at $80 billion. It's a nice chunk of change. And they make all their money through advertising and uh, virtual products. So it's uh, kind of the top 10, not in order, just the ones that I thought were interesting. So we'll put the link in the show notes. But uh, there you go. Happy birthday, uh, Facebook. Like it or hate it, it's worth $80 billion. So they're doing something right. I guess so. And uh, the thing about the 750 million photos uploaded over the weekend, New York New Year's weekend, if you had told me that there were less than 750 million photos in the world, I would have thought that was true. So that the fact that there were 750 million of them uploaded in two days is staggering to me. Of, of those facts, that one's pretty amazing. Yeah. How the hell do you well, put I mean, the data for 750 million photos? And that's only for two days. This thing is 10 years old. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um <laughs> staggering yeah, it, it's uh it's it is it, it blows the mind so yeah just check out the link i thought it was kind of interesting uh, you could just google facebook interesting facts if you don't uh want to wait for the show notes and uh that's how i found it number one traffic site to get information on the number two traffic site <laughs> there you go and uh for some reason uh, google didn't have a google doodle about facebook coincidence uh probably not <laughs> so what did, what did they choose over Google or, or Facebook? Did they choose anything today? I, I don't know if I bothered to notice a Google. Nope. To, nope no, no doodle today. So they no doodle today. They yeah. forgot. No, they didn't forget. Sorry, they we forgot. We for, sorry. Sorry, Mark. We forgot your birthday. We, they quite pointedly forgot his birthday. All right. I give you 30 seconds to talk about winter field day since it's already over. It is over, but I just wanted to recap because I went to it and it was a ham radio activity that I partook in. And I thought our ham radio listeners would enjoy hearing about my winter field day experience. So last uh, January 25th, 26th, uh, every full third weekend in January is winter field day. Same as summer field day, but in the winter. So uh, we did this, uh, our, uh, our infamous uh, show notes taker, Harrison V2HKW, was nice enough to host it. He uh, has a, uh, I think he said he was a 75 acre property so we went into the back bush uh, behind his uh, house and uh, well we they I showed up after everything was done I didn't spend the weekend there I just kind of went to visit but uh, six uh, intrepid uh, hams or sorry five of them spent the entire 24 uh, hours outside sleeping in pup tents so 11 participants in all uh, the temperatures ranged uh, between minus 6 and minus 23 Celsius so uh, plus 21 to minus 10 Fahrenheit over the weekends quite cold by the end of the field day Uh, all modes could be worked uh, in winter field day Uh, Harrison's brother um, had made a fire pit out of a 200 gallon oil drum that he'd torched and, and split in half so there was a nice big fire pit there to keep warm and it was a pretty good time so uh, I put a link to uh, some of the um, pictures that are in our local newsletters uh, information letter whatever you want to call it so you can check out some of the pictures they were using a, uh, a dome shaped uh, whatchamacallit ice fishing tent it has no bottom put it on pallets this thing looked kind of space age and that was the operating station and uh it was pretty cool i had a really good time so uh, thanks harrison uh, for hosting it and uh it's a group that's quite active in soda here some of it's on the air uh they uh, put it on so uh, a lot of fun so i encourage you all to participate in winter field day because emergencies happen in the winter too have you ever participated in a winter field day jay uh, not really, no, because it's generally just cold all the time, but, um, it's one of those things I always say I'm going to do. And then, uh, I don't know, 
I was chicken out. Have you been on the oh, air since you got licensed? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> I, so, I haven't been on lately. I mean, I know you're doing your intro bit here, but uh, I, I had an antenna. My I got a Carolina Wyndham 160. Uh, that uh, one leg came down, and like any good God-fearing ham, I've waited till the middle of winter to decide to repair it. So I'm waiting for a good cold day to get out there and fix it. Well, if it's not a challenge, there's no point in doing it, right? I mean, it, I, I had all summer to do it, but I just. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, next on our list, um, we have an email that we got, and this I guess could have gone in the feedback section, but since it's about a a package, a web application, we will talk about it here. Uh, it's an application. That's exactly what I thought. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, and, that, and that's why you put it here, and I'm glad you did. So thank you very much. Uh, it's an application it's service. I'm happy to do it. Okay. Well, let me play for Jay. You haven't heard this, Jay. Um, do you know who Adam Curry is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I just looked over because I was looking to see if I had yakety sacks on my soundboard, and I don't. But I saw this, and I would just like Jay to know what Adam Curry said about our show. Nope. Oh, helps if I, uh, you know, unmute. Right. I don't know. I've got peditis. <laughs> so there's all these podcasts, Linux in the Ham Shack, uh, Ham Nation, Ham Radio Today. And let me tell you something. They all suck balls. Every single one of them. It's horrible. Well, there you go. So now you know what you've gotten yourself into. <laughs> he, he doesn't doesn't hold back. I'll give him that. <laughs> no. No, no one ever accused him of not having an opinion. So uh, this web application that we just heard about from Tobias Wellnitz, Delta Hotel One Tango Whiskey, uh, is called DX Heat. Uh, you can find it at dxheat.com. And this is what he says about it. Hey, Russ, Pete, Harrison, and Richard. First of all, let me thank you for all the hard work you put into Linux in the Ham Shack. I joined your listenership a few episodes ago, and I'm still making my way through your archive. I wanted to let you know that I recently opened the doors of www.dxheat.com. Over the past eight months, I've created a modern web-based DX cluster and DX research tool with data going back to 2001 uh, with 25 MIO spots. 25 million spots. 25 million plus spots. Is that what? Why did he write it that way? Do I just not understand the lingo? No, he explained. He, I, I took it. I took that last sentence out, but uh, his, uh, uh, I think it had to do something with spell check. But anyways. Oh, okay. Twenty-five million spots. Okay, that makes a lot more sense than what's on there. Mio is what I put in my water. Yeah, well, you shouldn't <laughs> drink that stuff. It's like rat poison. Yeah, I know. I don't like water. Water's Kool Aid. Good old Kool Aid. <laughs> yeah, I do that too. There's Kool Aid Mio. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, we have kids, so we do Kool Aid. The main unique features of DXHeat.com are full integration with WebSDR, click on any DX spot and start listening immediately, graphical representation of band activity versus continents, DX analytics with plenty of diagrams for all call signs, flexible but easy to use filters, responsive design, looks good on phones, tablets, and desktops, and I will say it has an excellent uh, Web 2.0 framework that it uses. Spots are pushed in real time into the browser. 25 million plus spots in the database, which I'm sure is database. <laughs> uh, call sign lookup, and uh, all your DX cluster info is archived. Site is free for everyone and doesn't have a single banner ad, and that's the way it shall remain. DX Heat's infrastructure is built on Linux, Ubuntu server. I'm running various services like Nginx, GUnicorn, Django, Python Web Framework, Redis, and Node.js. If you Isn't like that goon, goonicorn, goon, 
Unicorn? I don't know. I like the unicorn. unicorn. (laughs) You call it what you like. I'll call it what I like. All right. You're the one who calls LEDs LEDs. So, sorry. That's what they're called. No, they're called LEDs. Uh, I have have no time to waste. (laughs) LEDs is too long to say. I say LEDs. You're doing this show. You have more than enough time to waste. (laughs) (laughs) If you like DX Heat, it would be glad if you might consider it worth sharing so that more hams can enjoy this DX tool, too. Thanks again for all the hard work you put into the show. 7-3, Tobias, Delta Hotel One, Tango Whiskey. So consider it mentioned, Tobias. And I actually went over there and took a look at the site. It's it's really cool. I like it. It is. It's nifty. Um, it's got a lot of uh, schnazzy type stuff to it, especially you just like put in a call sign. You can see all the history that has ever been logged on um, spots, on uh, DX cluster spots for that particular website. You can see where, who. Uh, all the notes, comments. It shows a heat map of like band activity um, when you're when you're looking at the current DX cluster uh, to see what's through, so you can see what bands are active and where. Uh, you can just click on a spot, like he says, it will bring up Web SDR, and you can listen on that frequency to that spot right on the web. So you don't even have to turn your radio on; you can just hear it right there. Uh, Assuming the propagation is going to wherever the web SDR radio is, of course. And there's, you know, you can log in, you can do, it's got a lot of uh, analytics. And if you're left-brained folk, like a lot of us are, it's all very exciting. So did you uh, happen to take a look at this, Pete? Muted. Again, I, uh, I did. <laughs> I looked up my call sign and I actually had some of my own analytics in there, much to my surprise. So even I have been spotted and not that active. Mike in the... Uh, in the chat room and uh, 2 HTT, uh, hello Mike. By the way, he says I got spotted four times in 2011 on JT65. I don't get out much, but you were still spotted, so uh, it works. You have two live examples right here. Yeah, I, I really like the look of it. It actually looks like something you'd have to pay for. That's how nice it is. And I was kind of looking for a, a buy button or an order, and, and then I saw that it was that it was free. So yeah, it's a very very professional looking, very well done. You, pretty much have all the information you want right at your fingertips i uh, highly recommend it at least check it out yes i have not been spotted because so people apparently do not care that i am on the air well i don't know why that's sad <clears throat> jay however has been spotted <laughs> i have been spotted holy crap yeah i just looked you up uh four four spots in march of 2010 well hey there you go oh no actually four spots between 2010 and 2012 Let's oh, see that's here. a little better yeah, you were spotted by someone with a YV call and someone with an OK call. So, okay. okay. And you were working uh, 18 megahertz, which is, uh, what the hell is that, 12 meters. Yeah. Yep. So now we know all kinds of stuff about you. And you were on PSK, apparently. PSK on 12 meters. Yeah, I'm, I, I really like PSK. Cool, we're learning stuff, and you didn't even know we knew. <laughs> oh, my, oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, I enjoy PSK. I don't get on it enough, but I do enjoy it. It's a neat mode. I don't. I actually enjoy watching what's going on on PSK more than communicating. Strangely, but <laughs> it's it's. I think it's really cool. It is cool. You you, really, you can get a lot of bang for your buck on PSK. You yeah, know, absolutely. You can really get you can really get out there without having a whole lot of power. Yeah, and in fact, you usually have to turn the power down because you're not supposed to operate a full duty cycle when you're doing digital mode work. So. Yeah, I think I normally run around 25 watts. Yeah, that's, that's around what I want, 25 to 35 watts. Yep, yeah. pretty typical. All right. On that, even on phone, I run about 30 watts. I run it at a third just to see. I'm kind of a fan of QRP, although, you know, in QRP terms, 
thirty watts is yelling, but I mean, um, the QRP term like is five watts is shouting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> indeed. So, all right. Yeah, thanks, Tobias. Good website. Good on you. Yeah, it's very well done. I mean, really well done. The way it looks and the way it's been written blows away some of the more popular commercial sites that I've seen. It's just really, really nice looking. Very clean, simple interface. And it talks about the filtering, how the easy filtering is. And it really is, too. It's basically just a link or a list of um, push buttons down the left-hand side to turn on and off various things like modes, bands, countries, uh, DX entities, stuff like that. And, of course, you can filter on a, uh, a particular call sign, as we have just done. Now that's out there. Everybody go use it. It uses Linux on the back end, but he doesn't say anything about the code specifically. So presumably not open source. Otherwise, I'm sure he would have said. I did not check. Uh, nor did I. And the one, one thing about the really... <laughs> assumed, which I shouldn't yes. do. One thing about the really clean interface is there's no links to anything of, like, you know, frequently asked questions or anything like that. Oh, wait. Yes, there is. I clicked on something on the bottom, but it's all in German. <laughs> That's not helpful. Um... No, wait, there's copyright, privacy, content. Oh, it says English version. Scroll down. I guess if I read, <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's in big red bold letters, yeah, too. <laughs> Next to Hashtum Gauschlaschluf. It didn't actually reach out and slap me across the face, so I didn't oh, no, notice Hashtum Sauschluss. Uh, yeah, read the first paragraph there in the German. Inhalt des Olin and Gebote, der Autor, Ubermieten, he Ubermieten. painful. Okay, yeah, I, if it was Spanish, I'd actually do all right. But then so, and but 90% of, uh, you know, U.S. citizens would understand what I'm saying anyways, probably. It's like your second language there, like French is ours. Yeah, you probably just told a bunch of German people to do something nasty with a walrus. Who knows what you said? Probably. Yeah, <laughs> we'll find out. Harrison will get the hate mail. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, I would say we're going to like do a musical interlude, but guess what? <laughs> we don't have a musical interlude. Well, I could actually download the music and play it. I mean, um, because one of them was Amity and Fame. Do you want to intro it or anything? Amity and Fame uh, from Gemendo. What's the name of the tune again? Uh, Dinner for One. Dinner for One, from the album Dinner for One. I remember that uh, from Gemendo, and I can't remember what year. I believe it was around four or five years ago. 2008. Enjoy. We've played this band before, and uh, I quite like them.
Dinner for One from the album Dinner for One. Uh, this is a band from Austria, and I quite like them. I'm, I'm a huge fan of guitar, and, and there's a lot of good guitar work in here. Um, so so it, was, it was funny because I was reading, when I discovered these guys, I was reading the tags. So the tags are uh, rock acoustics, kind of alternative acoustic rock, which I really like, a uh, little penchant towards some metal. Then they say indie, this has got an indie feel, and then drum, and then they put undefined. <laughs> Five Anyways. different things and the rest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, good band from Austria. We've played them before, and I, I really like the style, so it was. Uh, I thought it was a good choice. Yes, it was a very good choice. We have played, I think, two or three tracks from uh, Amity and Fame on previous episodes because they are so good. Uh, the same can be said of the band we are going to play for the next break. Uh, just oh, to... now, you're going to make me eat my words, eh? Yep, <laughs> I am. Time. No music, new music. <laughs> See what happens when you bitch about there not being music. <laughs> Oh, believe me, I know what happens when I bitch. I <laughs> I'm the king of bitch. Uh, it's, mm, wait, <laughs> let, me, let me get the timestamp on that. Hold on, i got to write the timestamp. <laughs> <laughs> now I've done it. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll remember it when I edit the show. <laughs> uh, it's all going to come back and haunt me. <laughs> All right. Well, now we get to talk to Jay. So excellent. Jay, yeah. Woo! Oh, we are we going to do our thing? Everybody's going to go. Yay! Yeah. One, two, I, you know, three. I swear I've got yeah. to get that as a soundbite. Hang on. Uh, let's see, Monty Python. Yeah. I'm going to have to get this. Let's see. Is this it? Yep. Here it is. And there was much rejoicing. <laughs> I work on the cube, but yeah, that's good. Yep. <laughs> I can always put it in wherever necessary. So, with no further ado, Jay. And there was much rejoicing. 
<laughs> better, better. Yeah, better. All right. So, welcome, Jay. Good to have you. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks, Russ. Well, okay. Thanks for us for having me. Pete. Russ didn't tell uh, me what was happening. He's like, we're we're going to interview some really cool guy, and I'm like, who is it? He's like, I'm not telling you. It's like, but I'm the co-host. I got to get some questions ready. So I just had to make questions up. No, I'm, oh boy. I, I would never even have thought of any questions to ask you, really. So I'm going to start with the dumb ones, and hopefully things just go from there. <laughs> we'll right, we'll start with dumb. we'll start with like. Let's just start with your ham radio career. When when did you get into it? Why? I mean, I, I have an idea why, just from what I know of you, but I'm curious what your take on your entry into ham radio is. I was, you know, I was thinking today, I was trying to remember what year it was. I It was sometime, I want to say like 2005 or 2006, uh, I got into it. And, and the main reason I got my call was to honor my grandfather, who was a longtime shortwave radio listener. And always wanted to get into ham radio, but uh, two things stopped him uh, was uh, Morse code and my grandmother. And so when he passed, I decided that, ah, you know, I'm going to get my, my license to honor him. So I got my ticket and I really didn't plan on using it. And I had been on, gotten into shortwave listening because of my grandfather. But uh, so I got my ticket and then I thought, well, you know, I got it. I might as well get a two meter radio. And then next thing you know, I got my general and I think I own three or four radios now. And I totally was bit by the ham bug, as it were. Well, that's cool. That, I would- that, that's that's really, you know, I, I didn't even plan on getting on the air. And that all went out the window as soon as I got on the air. Which is kind of the opposite of the way it usually goes. I was actually listening to a back episode of my uh, former co-host's other show that he used to do um, three or four years ago. And he was talking about the statistic of the number of people who get their ticket and never get on the air. And it's something very high, like 70 plus percent. Yeah, uh, we, I, you know, I think we really fall down in that department, you know, um, where we don't bring a lot of people into the fold in uh, local clubs and things like that. And I know there's some outstanding clubs, but a, a lot of places uh, I think don't reach out to new hams enough and really well, bring very, them in. They, it can be very cliquey, which is a shame. And I never understood yeah. that because on the air, you get it a little bit on the air, but you seem to get it a lot more when you go to a meeting. And I don't know, I live in a big city, so we're used to that, but there's not, you know, soup, soup, from from a from a... From a standpoint of how many cities, what am I trying to say? From surface area standpoint, there's more users in the country than there are in the cities. Yeah. And like the first club I ever went to was a club down near Detroit. And I showed up to a meeting and there was like 120 some people there. And, you know, you're just nobody in a sea of people and you don't know what you're doing. But then uh, I found a club kind of near where I live. And I think that it consisted of all of three people, which uh, was kind of nice because, you know, it's tough to keep a club going when there's only three people, but it, you know, it, you can really talk to people and get involved and, uh, you know, we, we really need to reach out more in that department. I, I think, you know, I but, agree. But, but what do I know? You know, <laughs> the first, first club meeting I went to where our club is, uh, well, by back then it was about 47 members. We're up to 66 now. So we got a pretty good size club, but, 25 to 30 members show up usually for the meetings. And the first time I went in, I knew a few people, which was a good thing. But uh, everybody just kind of looked at me and nobody really extended. It takes a while for them to warm up to you. But if you're a new guy and you're not feeling welcome right away, you might not come back. Like I said, I knew some people in there. And they're like, oh, no, they're good guys, blah, blah, blah. They're shy, you know, whatever. But uh, it just turns out they're very – they're just cliquey old men. But once you get to know them, they're great. 
but they don't make a good first impression. And there's a lot of clubs like that. And yeah, that does have to change. Well, I think hams by their nature, and I'm sure that people will send you all sorts of hate mail, but I think as a, it's okay. by their nature is are, are tend to be rather introverted because it is kind of a hermity, nerdish kind of hobby. And maybe they're not the best at public and in-face uh, social kind of situations. Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't say it in a, in a negative way. Well, yes, I do, because <laughs> ideally they should welcome other people. But, I mean, it, it's human nature, too. I don't hate them for it. It's just, you know, sometimes they don't even realize they're doing it. It's just that's what you do at the mall. That's what you do at the gas station, you know, especially, like I said, in big cities. You don't really talk to people. So it's kind of the same thing when you get into a club environment, especially if the club has a lot of members, like you were describing the one in Detroit. Yeah. It, right. it could be off-putting to new hams. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, if you can find a smaller club, it's probably a little more inviting than, than a huge one like that. It's like going to a lecture hall with 400 people or something in it. You kind of get lost in it. Yeah, but. exactly. All right. Well, a question occurred to me while you were answering that question, so I should probably ask it before I forget it. And that is, um, what's your take on the relevance of ham radio among, you know, Internet communications, cell phones and stuff like that? This is a question that I kind of ask myself from time to time, but I don't think we've ever like tried to hash out a good a good well, reason for you, it but. you know you, you hear that a lot and uh i mean we might as well let the cat out of the bag uh the way russ found me was through youtube i have a youtube channel where i make i don't know how you'd classify it russ but just kind of random <laughs> videos <laughs> i don't know i don't know what group you would put it in gay but, midget uh, porn we well, yeah, yeah, i thought we would establish that already not, yeah. <laughs> not yet not yet but i have some up but, now I'm going to uh, get hate mail from the gay midgets. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've done a few ham radio videos, and you can find me on YouTube. I'll plug my, I guess, is uh, D-I-G-H-S-X if you search that on YouTube. But uh, I've done some ham radio videos, and I and I get comments like, oh, the Internet, you know, took over that. You know, why the hell would you even do that? Just get on Skype. Well, my first answer to that is it's fun. I mean, the to me, I mean, and maybe I'm just a colossal nerd, which if I am, hey, fair enough. But. You know, you get on the radio, like one of my most thrilling moments on ham radio is uh, three in the morning. I'm sitting there and I turn on PSK 31 and watching the waterfall and you look and there's some funny call goes by. So I'm like, oh, I wonder who the hell that is. So I look him up and it's some guy in Antarctic. So I think no one's answering, at least nobody I can hear. So I throw my call out and what do you know? He answers me back and I'm running, you know, 25 watts and this guy's, you know, 12,000 miles away. I mean, I've never had anything on the Internet like that. And so that right there is a reason enough to do it. The other thing is, you know, when the shit hits the fan, <laughs> you know, there's ham radio. I mean, it works. It's a yeah. proven kind of thing, and you don't need lines to it. And, and it always cracks me up. You get all these, you know, zoning restrictions and things where, you know, they hate towers and they hate antennas, except when the shit hits the fan, then they love the ham radios. And then when things go back to normal, they hate the towers again. Yeah, it's the same <laughs> with us. It's funny. Yeah, I'm that that's pretty but the um if you take it's hard to sell the the emergency com the mcom part of it to people because no one believes that the the power grid could ever be offline or their cell towers could ever be down or anything like that. So I'm I'm not sure you can go up to somebody and interest them in in ham radio by saying, "Oh, when the power goes out and, you know, you're forced to eat rabbits that you shoot yourself, then you'll also have <laughs> <laughs> you know ham radio um but the, the well, but, but but 
there's there's a big you know the, there's the big and I hate this word but like the maker movement you know this uh, you know there's kind of been a resurgence in electronic kind of building and you know tinkering and things like that and and I think we really miss out uh, tapping into those people and and I think we have gotten some to come over and you know get interested in the hobby but we really need to do more to get into that kind of hipster electronic building group. Because it just flat out, I mean, yeah, e-com is, you know, is handy and can save your butt, but it, it's just a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, I love kit building and I suck at it, but it's still a lot of fun, you know, and getting on the radio, it can, can be a lot of fun. And that right there is the reason, I think, I mean, the main reason. Yeah, good for you. You don't have to be good at something to have fun with it. That's the thing. No, if anything, my life, right there is my life proves that just because you don't know what you're doing doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Because I've done <laughs> more things in my life that... Uh, you know, looking back, I think, why in the hell did I try that? And, it, and sometimes it works out and many times it doesn't, but it still is a hell of a ride getting there. And, and mo- quite often you learn something too. Well, I don't know about that, but at least, you know. <laughs> well, you at least learn not to do it again if it didn't work. <laughs> you, you generally can get a funny story out of it. So there you go. I, All right. I think you can learn. I, I, I have a question for myself based on what you just said about the things that you try and you, you, a lot of the things that you try do wind up on YouTube, especially if you think, I, I guess if you think that they might be interesting to someone else to watch, um, you, you you tend to throw it up there regardless of the content or the type of content. I, I'll tell you most of the times, the most popular videos of mine are the videos. I think no one will be interested in. Yeah. And I, I upload them. and I think there's no one's going to watch this. And then it ends up being, you know, people watch it. And I really like it. I think, well, what in the hell is wrong with these people? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Well, that makes that splits my question into two questions then. So my question then now is what what do you think of of the one of the oddball ones, the ones that are sort of outside the box that are things maybe you just tried or, you know, you sat down one day and said, well, I really want to try this and, and did that or I did this because I had to and it was really interesting. So what what like is the video that's most interesting to you and what do you think is the least interesting to you that m- the most people other than you thought was interesting? Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know. I got 700 some videos. I mean, <laughs> well, last I, I, I checked it up here. The video. The video that shocked me that people were interested in was I did a video where I restored my headlights. That was my and, that was one I, of my favorites. And, and I thought nobody is going to watch this. Who wants to watch a guy polish headlights? And people watched it. And, and I'm astounded that anybody, but a lot of people found it interesting. And hey, that's a good idea. And I don't know. I mean, you're not to toot my own horn, but part of my I think my appeal in some ways on YouTube is that. I'm I'm nothing special. I, I'm just a regular guy schlepping his way through life, just trying stuff. And, you know, I'm not some whiz. Like I've got a, a couple of uh, kit building videos that I've put up recently where I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to try. And, and I think it can send a message, I hope, to people that, you know, try things, get out there and do stuff because, you know, what do you got to lose other than maybe a few fingers? <laughs> I can oh, tell you, I can tell you what I think is part of your appeal for, for one thing, at least from my perspective is your genuine awe at the things that happen when you try something. I, I think, I, I think you're, I would, I would replace all with shock. <laughs> like, like, holy crap, that worked, you know? <laughs> 
Well, your your reaction to the th- to the things that you do, it's like you go into everything thinking you want to try it and not having any idea how it's going to come out at the end. And whatever the result may be, your genuine satisfaction or dissatisfaction with the end result is what is most uh, fun to watch about the stuff that you do. Well, like I said, I can serve as a warning <laughs> to others. <laughs> but like I put up a video the other day. It's like a 20-some minute long video of me trying to fix a power supply like a benchtop power supply. And I thought nobody's going to watch this because most of the people who watch me don't come from the ham radio world, although I do have a big uh, group of people from that. But most of them are pipe smokers and just random people. And I thought, who is going to want to watch a guy try to figure out why his 12-volt power supply doesn't work anymore? And that video got tons of views. And it's like, I mean, it's it's great. And I, and I appreciate every view, but I'm always just, Stunned. But honestly, I'm stunned anybody watch. I mean, no matter what I put up, I can't believe anybody watched. Well, that's because you're you and you can't appreciate you the way the rest of us do. That's I, I guess. <laughs> I guess you have a certain uh, a certain appeal. I was just looking through some of the numerous videos and it's this ham radio stuff, but there's also what did I mention that I'd seen a cigar box guitar. I love guitars. Cigar box guitar making which, and it looks actually it looks really cool. Uh, barbecue friends onion grenades secret santa it's just like it's all over the place it's it's i think it has an appeal just just right there i definitely am not uh, defined I, I would probably be the way i describe it See, we could it's put- basically just just uh, whatever i'm doing and up to i kind of film it occasionally yeah you tend to be up to a lot more than the average person though i mean some people may have, may or have two or three interests and you i have a feeling you just like walk through like a department store and you'll say like oh well, that's interesting maybe i need to build a hat rack or something and, and, that, and that's my problem <laughs> you know it's, it's too many projects and too many interests and, but but if, if you ask me i would say i'm a fairly lazy person but but my dad always says that, you know, I'm I don't know what do they call it, type A personality, but I'm a type A who doesn't realize they're a type A. So then you get into this crazy infinite loop of being way too active and way too interested in things. And it can drive you slightly nutty. I mean, what appeals to you guys watching me is the thing that drives me insane in my own brain, because it's just I'm always thinking about crazy crap. Oh, that's curious people. You know, your mind's always going. So, uh yeah. There you go. Well, that's cool. I'm uh, glad that I, uh, I uh, actually uh, subscribed to you, so I'll uh, be looking at your videos for the next couple of years, I guess. One, one <laughs> more, Jerry. You'll be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, I you, you won't that. be disappointed. No. All right, so we probably should sort of veer back to ham radio somehow. Uh, so you said you've built kits. I, I know you did a couple of videos on kits. So what were you? Were they ham radio kits, or were they just uh, electronics kits? Uh well, I've got a video I haven't put live yet where I was building a uh, battery status indicator from uh, Hendrix QRP uh, kits, which uh, that's the most recent one I've done. But uh, non-film stuff, I've built a few uh, small radios, 80-meter uh, uh, AM radio, which I wasn't making videos back then. But, you know, I've done things like that. But I'm, I'm going to try to start doing uh, more kit build. Uh, videos. I'm, I'm actually toying with the idea of uh, building a, a from San, also from Hendrix this uh, Scout regenerative uh, receiver. Uh, just because you know, to show people that you don't have to have a license, you know, to enjoy uh, shortwave listening. Because that's like I said, that's how I got into it. My grandfather was big into it, and then he gave me an old Heathkit SB313 uh, shortwave receiver, and uh, man, I just about wore that thing out 
listening to uh, you know shortwave broadcasts and 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 there's you know they're dwindling in some ways the shortwave stuff, but you know there's still quite a bit out there that's kind of fun to listen to, you know. Yeah, and actually, um, you might want to think about. I don't know how it will translate to video, but of course, everything you do is interesting. So you could maybe talk about uh, web SDR because you know, yes, it's it would be cool to have a kit or even have a shortwave radio just to do the listening part of it. But you can do that even without a piece of hardware. You know, you can just get yeah. on. You can use somebody yeah. else's radio. <laughs> you know, if, yeah. you, if you don't have one yourself. And and I've toyed with that. Uh, you know that where you can go and listen to other stations around the world. It's, it's an interesting way to see where you're propagating to, you know, like if you're broadcasting and you want to hear, can, you know, say somebody in Germany, hear me, it's kind of fun to listen to yourself or at least attempt to, you know, that's something I'd never and even considered. And, and that's a, a kind of an, un, uh, in a lot of ways, I think a forgotten thing about shortwave broadcasts is that that's a good way to determine propagation too. You know, yeah. you go listen and see if you can hear, you know, the middle East. Well, and then they're not putting out, you know, 10 gazillion watts of power. The odds are propagation, at least in that band, is, is probably going to be pretty good. We got a lot on 40 meters. And I actually like to listen to it. It's actually interference when I'm on sideband. But then I kind of find myself, you know, pushing the AM button and trying to tune it in. And, yeah, I get the voice of Russia pretty clearly in here. And, and I get a lot of European stations. And it's, it is very cool. I enjoy that a lot. So, Pete, you talked about having like the forgotten element. Yeah, listening is a forgotten element, it does seem lately, um, re- regardless of whether it's shortwave or just in life. Um, yeah, indeed. <laughs> now, you said something about uh, questions and the fact that you were thinking about questions or didn't have a way to come up with questions because I didn't tell you who we were going to be talking to. Did you actually come up with some questions? I always have questions. Well, maybe you should ask one now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um interesting that uh you mentioned you have a lot of qr qrm in your shack so tell us about uh charlie oscar and george oh <laughs> i knew somebody was gonna bring this up <laughs> unfortunately oh. i just lost charlie last week oh which seriously is a real yeah oh, it's a real bummer that is. and now you feel like a total ass i totally do. <laughs> really do i have two dogs of my own i'm like oh that's so yeah, sad that that really stunk that's but sad. uh yeah, I've got the. I I had two bulldogs. Now I've got one. I've got uh, one English bulldog, George, and then I've got a pug, uh, which is Oscar, and then I've got three cats. And, oh, uh, they all get along. The cats probably rule, eh? They probably tell the dogs what to do. Well, you know, we got the first cat as a stray. It kind of adopted us, and we had the dogs uh, before we had the cats. And and she, uh, in about three days, taught the dogs what cats are and how to approach cats and when not to approach cats. <laughs> and then when we got the two other cats, everything was fine. And, and I have the attitude that if you're going to live in my house, everybody's going to get along. So it somehow seems to work out. Oh, there you go. But my, my wife owns a Mini Cooper, and I, I've had on several occasions three cats and three dogs and a Mini Cooper <laughs> on a four-hour car drive. Nice. <laughs> That's a nice commercial yeah, for Mini Cooper. More space than you'd think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I need like a python and a parrot, and I'd be all set, you know? <laughs> So, so you live you live in Michigan, and I, I kind of checked out the map, the general grid square. But do you guys call that like the lower peninsula of Michigan, like where you are? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's the, we're in the lower peninsula or Canada light. 
Okay. <laughs> the well, that's because I, I actually had the um, opportunity to go to the, to the UP, the Upper Peninsula, a couple of years ago, and, or drive through on my way back from, uh, we, we drove across Canada on our family vacation and came back through the States, so through the Montanas and the Dakotas and yada yada. So, and, and I purposely went through the Upper Peninsula because uh, uh, there's a gentleman there who runs an Echolink net. His name is Dave. His call sign is KC8QZG, and you can find him on the Michigan conference server on Echolink. And he has this really... You probably know about him, right? No, no. Oh, you don't? Check him out because he runs an, an Echolink let, net that he started a couple of years ago just to, to promote Echolink and the use of ham radio. And he gets um, – it's Sunday nights, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so he basically gets check-ins from you know a lot of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan but from all over North America as well. His net's really grown by leaps and bounds. But anyways, I'd been talking on this net for um, you know a couple of years and figured we're going through there anyway. So I, I ended up in the uh, Escobar. Marquette area, which is where they're from. Uh, I was there in time for the uh, Escabana Ham Fest a couple of years ago, which was pretty cool. So I got to meet people that I'd been talking to on the air for a few years. Uh, but it's just, just a beautiful, and I imagine that the Lower Peninsula is, is just as beautiful as the Upper Peninsula. I'd, I I couldn't believe how beautiful Michigan was. So you're a very lucky man to be living in that, that part of the world. Yeah, and the side of the state I live on uh, is kind of the uh, northeast Lower Peninsula. And it's the sunrise part of the state, which nobody appears to be interested in. They all go to the western side. So it's it's uh, if you don't want to be around people and you want to be in the middle of nowhere, it's a good place to be. Yeah, very cool. No. Uh, well, that that made me sound very antisocial. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, that's what you want when you want. I mean, you know, especially us city folk, uh, it's nice to get away and in, into these. Uh, I mean, I grew up in the country. I grew up in New Brunswick on a farm, so um, I I love being in Montreal. It's a great place, but very often I love to be somewhere other than Montreal too, and that usually is somewhere that's got a lot of nature, trees, lakes, mountains, whatever it may be. So uh, yeah, I was uh, quite smitten, and I, I want to go back to the Manistique area. Like That was probably one yeah. of the most beautiful places I'd seen uh, in, in, my, in my life. So Yeah, up in, like, if you go to uh, uh, the Keweenaw Peninsula, like Copper Harbor and up in there, which is the pretty west north part of the state. That's really really pretty up in there. Yeah, very cool. That was our tourist moment. So so back yeah. to uh, your videos. Uh, where do you get your expertise in lock picking? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just picked it up along the way. <laughs> Hands on, shall we say? Uh, very good. No, uh, seriously, there's there's a lot of uh, just the titles. I'm, I'm just going through. I've probably gone over like 100 titles right now. And I, I think I want to watch every single one of them. That's what I'm telling you. I'm going to be spending the next couple of years watching your videos probably. You, you'll get three in and just like jump out the window or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I work in a basement. I live in a basement. So I'm, I'm safe. I love basements. I absolutely love basements. Well, all of us techie, like I've, I've been doing the same type of work for, for a number of years. They always stick us, us techie rats in the basement. You know, all the all the tech departments, all the shops. It's always in the basement. And you I turn the it. lights off, the air conditioning up, and stick us in the basement. That's just absolutely great. Yeah. Well, it's always nice and cool in the summer in a basement, so I've never minded. But you know, we're we're always we've always been the cellar dwellers, and yeah, we're we're quite at ease down there, aren't we? I would be if I had one. I wouldn't buy a house without a basement. Well, you, you're an IT guy, and they always put you at the top for some Me? No, no, the IT guys. The oh. IT guys are always on the top floors. No, they, not any of the IT guys I met. <laughs> Maybe they don't like your IT guys. 
No, no. No, they don't like them. They don't like them in my place either. If if they didn't have to give me a place to work, they wouldn't. Why don't they just make you work from home? I wish they would. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, speaking of IT guys, and just rant a little bit. I listened to your uh, podcast where you talked about the programming methodology, and uh, I think that was maybe one or two ago. Two, yeah, it was two ago. Yep. To. And, were, yeah. and the, my my comment on that would be that's all well and good, and most software projects start with that in mind the problem is is that towards the end things get so crazy and out of control that you know because of deadlines and additions and changes that most of that at least in my experience has gone straight out the window and and it's it's just make it work which, yeah which you know is right but that's kind of the nature of the beast and i mean and it applies to you know if you look at like uh, network engineering and things like that uh you know you go into probably 80 percent of any network closets and it's just a rat's nest of <laughs> cables and no one wants to touch it because they're afraid they're going to break it but you know a lot of that is 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 a good attitude to take and a good approach to take towards programming but in the end most of it comes down to making it work and getting it out the door Right. I think when you when you list something, you know, 17 ways that of proper programming, you you basically have to look at that in the sense of it's the world in a vacuum and without any outside influence. It's if, if yeah. every if everything was an ideal, this is how you should do it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, it would never actually it come out that way. It generally never goes that way. Right. <laughs> no, but it's something to strive for. And it's, it's a good thing. Then we should strive for a project manager that it's going to take two extra weeks. And then they're like, what? Well, that's where the word strive comes in. (laughs) (laughs) What else you got, Pete? uh, What do you do for a living? I'm just curious. As as little as humanly possible. (laughs) Right. I like that. Technically, uh, I am a semi-retired computer programmer. Okay, cool. But uh, uh, one man semi-retired is another man's full-time. Yeah, well, you know. I, I stopped working for the man for corporate world when I was 28 and 11 months. And then I went out on my own, and I've been on my own since then. Yeah, very good. Well, it's, um, if you sound very personable, and those are the people who excel at, at running their own business, you know, because it's all about contacts and 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 and, I, and that's the part I hate. And, I hate I hate to deal with people. Yeah, but you're, <laughs> you're so natural at it. I mean, you're just so comfortable and and warm and inviting. I can't believe that you wouldn't, uh, you know. Well, you're you're falling for it. That was that's what I would tell you. Because <laughs> well, you're, you're good at it. There you go. He's good at it. <laughs> I know he spends a lot of time covering Michigan, driving up and down Michigan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We see a lot I'm of your... originally from outside of Detroit, and so I still have family down here and still do some work down here, so I'm always going back and forth. Oh, down here? So you're... I'm, a- I'm, actually, I'm actually just outside of Detroit right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. You're actually down south, <laughs> which is still way yeah, north down, of here. Down state, as we would call it, yeah. <laughs> Oh, downstate, that's a term I haven't heard in a while. When I lived in Maine, everybody, where I lived in Maine, of course, which, you know, Pete is familiar with, is way, way up in the north, right on the Canadian border. So everything to me was downstate because <laughs> so, you couldn't get any more upstate than where I was. <laughs> you, you'd be up country. Well, what's funny <laughs> is, is we call it downstate for southern Michigan, you know, meaning like the Detroit area, but then we call it up north for the other part so it doesn't it's not like upstate michigan it's usually up north michigan yeah so apparently a little odd. upstate only applies to new york it's the only place where there actually is an upstate yeah 
So, all right. Well, that was a pointless yeah. comment. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure people are just thrilled. This is like, I wow. Know. <laughs> I know this is. But see, this is exactly. This is what you think every time you put a video. It's like this is like the most boring thing ever, and people are probably riveted right now. <laughs> people listen. People listen. How can it get any worse? <laughs> I got train wreck. That's right. I was interested. I'd forgotten about upstate New York. Well, you you haven't listened to all of our episodes, and there are several of them where we actually refer to what we're doing as a train wreck. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I often feel that with my videos, like people watch just because they can't look away. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> got to see how this ends. You know. <laughs> no, don't tell me you're going to go off on the etymology of upstate, Pete, because I, no, I don't no. think. No, okay, you're safe. Good, good. So you- so Pete, you're, and I know this is supposed to be about me, I guess, but you're near Quebec. Is that is that? What I'm, I I'm in, yeah, I'm in Quebec, Montreal. Now, uh, uh, I, I knew of not Quebec from, City, but but Montreal, the Quebec province. But I used Montreal. to know a guy who lived near there, and he was uh, he defined himself as an Englishman. Oh and, yeah, uh, uh, did not did not have a lot of uh, good things to say about Quebec. Let's just put it that way. Well, it's because it's, Quebec um, is French. It, 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 yeah, well, I won't get into the politics, but uh, it's, it's uh, defined as a uh, distinct society because most of its population is French, you know, upper versus lower Canada. And that whole dichotomy, you know, has been, uh, they call it the two solitudes, a, a famous book by, I believe it was Mordecai Richler, um, has been going on for like, you know, 300, 400 years. So it's it's very, very well ingrained in our society that with the newer generation, it seems to be a little bit more, because it's just done so much to the economy that people just kind of want to get on with their lives so with, with my generation what the hell are you talking about <laughs> no the, i said the younger the younger generation oh, oh i thought you were with mine i'm like what are you <laughs> no, 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 i don't know how old you are so no i wouldn't assume but i'm um yeah it's just it's it's it could be weird most people are cool and just ignore it and, and respect each other people get along it's just if you listen to the newspapers and the governments it sounds like no one's getting along but all these debates are in parliament and in the house of commons and people are the street are fine you know you get the the odd redneck we have our own rednecks too uh but most people you know they're, they're just they're fine people get along people try to accommodate each other as best they can especially in montreal is this it's so multicultural anyways uh that you hardly you hardly notice it well he was about 68 and about every other sentence started with separatist bastards yeah yeah <laughs> that, there's those people around and and they have their reasons for it and it depends on how politically active you want to be i just it just you could spend so much energy wasting you know yeah. wasting so much energy on it you're just kind of what's it gonna what's it gonna change in the long run you know you, you vote and you do your part i'm not saying that you should throw your hands up and give up but uh yeah whatever live and let live I actually was in uh uh or was i north of toronto someplace i don't know it's about 4 or 5 years ago and and operated mobile from there, which was kind of cool to add the Canadian, I guess, prefix. What I do I put on the end or the end, beginning? I don't remember. But uh, yeah, it was kind of fun operating from there. Yeah. Usually put your call sign on the end. You put a prefix and then whatever. Yeah. So I you can't can remember be like went. VK or VE2 slash, you know, KD8. Yeah. 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 Something like that. No, I we put ours at the end. Like I would go V2XPL slash, let's say I was in Michigan, I would go W0. I just totally made that up, by the way. I, I don't know if Michigan is W0. but it's actually no, we're, we're eight, eight. eight land. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's not bad. Two zeros stuck together. <laughs> and flipped over so they're That's not infinity. Stretch, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. Uh, <laughs> but just okay. a little plug for uh, a Tar Heel antennas. I had I got a Tar Heel 2 uh, screwdriver antenna, and I had that on the car. And, boy, that thing works amazing. It, it's hard to believe a screwdriver antenna could work that good. When you I go to, get things about them. Yeah, when we go to Hamvention, you see tons of those Tar Heel screwdrivers on vehicles. They, they're they very popular uh, mobile antenna. It, I was running a, a, what did I run in the car? An FT-857 Yezu with that. And, I mean, it'd be, you'd be driving down the freeway talking to Germany. And, and then people would ask you, you know, you know, what are you running? And you'd say, I'm, I'm mobile, you know, in the car. And they, and they couldn't believe it. I mean, it, just, it was that good. Yeah, I've never. There's actually uh, some plans on the internet if you want to make your own too with a. Don't tell me that. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it it seems it's quite elaborate. The ones I've seen that are decent are quite elaborate, but you know, tubes and and uh, um, gears and and uh, and um, a cordless drill model motor, and you can control it from uh, from inside. Yeah, it's kind of neat. But it seemed like it's not just an afternoon project, though. No, no. I've actually got that antenna mounted to uh, the chimney of the place I'm at right now. And it, it the chimney of my car. <laughs> yeah, but it, it works amazingly well, even uh, you know, attached to a house. Oh, that's cool. Now, I've, I've, so, I'm curious about them. I want to try one. I, they're quite expensive. Speaking of projects, I got mine used. Yeah. I got yeah, mine I used. Yeah, Speaking anyway, of projects, I saw on uh, uh, the latest episode of MythBusters. Apparently, they've spent the last like eight years or however long they've been doing their show telling people not to try their experiments, but apparently their last show was experience that you should try at home. So that, that might be something for Jay to look into. (laughs) There's like eight more things that'll take up the rest of his time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to look that up. I love that show. That's a great show. (laughs) That, that show, I have a love hate thing with that show. I I like it with the, what is it? Jamie and Adam. Uh, I like those segments, but, but the other people on there, sometimes it's a little too, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say dumbed down, but a little too kiddy at it's, times. Yeah, it's yeah. a little hokey, but they have yeah. explosions, and it's entertaining. Yeah, I mean, you can't beat that. The entertainment value is good. And if you've been to the, is it Tested.com is with the Adam Savage yeah. stuff on there. That Those those podcasts are pretty I mentioned that on the show a few episodes back in uh, number 115, actually. So. Uh, a guest we had asked like what other shows we listen to or what other podcasts we listen to. And that's the one I picked because it's really excellent. Yeah. Russ turned me on to that one. It is a good one. You'd think for all the driving I do that I'd listen to more podcasts, but I can't say I listen to much any at all, to be honest with you, except yours. Of course, yours is the best. Oh yeah. <laughs> good, good answer. Yeah. I, I can't stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> you, you <laughs> lie so well. I mean, you're so believable yeah. when you lie. That's, I mean, I guess that's it is, it is awesome. <laughs> we should have him on all the time. I know. Yes. Maybe we can get you to do you a promo. Co-host, yeah. co-co-host. Listen, we'll come and. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are ham radio operators. We know how to triangulate and we can. Uh... There you go. <laughs> oh, every time I have a question that I want to ask, it goes away because we talk, start talking about something else. Where does your YouTube name come from? Oh, here you go. Uh, was, <laughs> is that a good it, story? It, good. Well, not really, but it's a story nonetheless. Uh, it, it is a test username that I created years and years and years ago uh, that I started using and turned into. I, I actually, when I created my YouTube account before I was even uploading videos and before it was linked in the God and Country, uh, I used that uh, 
that test username. It's the last four digits or four characters of the last name, first name, and middle initial. And if no middle initial, X. So there you go. Because that's the way we did our naming conventions back when I worked for the man. And what man did you work for? I worked for Siemens. Oh, did you really? Well, there. Yep. I, I work in a hospital. They come. We have a lot of equipment that's serviced by them. Yeah, I worked for Energie and Automation. Okay, we're yes. out of Mornburm, Germany. Very good. So you're a lifelong techie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I started programming when I was eight. Oh, I wow. I got a Commodore 64. Ah, yes. Very good. And then I upgraded the Commodore 128, which I thought was just uh, fantastic because it had double the memory. Mm-hmm. And then what did I get? I got I, my first my first PC was a. 46DX. Ah, that's most, that was mine too. Mine too. Yeah. And I remember, getting, I remember getting, that D, D, getting the DX chip was like, wow. You, know? uh, you were something, eh? You were like, yeah, hot yeah, shit. Really, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> like, holy crap. You, you still have an SX? Oh, you suck. Yeah. 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 I, remember I, I remember paying $3,000 for mine. Like, for $3,000 now, I could have, you know, oh. you know, 100 times better. But you know what's funny about PCs and PC pricing is that really the price points have stayed the same for the last 20, 25 years. I mean, if you want the hottest, latest thing, you're going to drop 4000 bucks. Yeah, that's true. You know, And back then, when you wanted the hottest, latest thing, it was going to be 4000 bucks. I mean, it's it stayed pretty much consistent. I mean, it's still a lot of money. but Well, kind of uh, back yeah, then, though, the, the hottest, greatest thing was the thing because they, yeah, <laughs> they were kind of new. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't go to Office Depot back then and pick up, like, you know, uh, an Acer for 400 bucks. that's just going to be well, your we, wife's we, email you know, machine. I, I, when I, was in, when I was in college, I worked at an Office Max, and we sold Packard Bell, and boy, those were fine machines. <laughs> <laughs> Cheryl can tell you about her Packard Bell. She had her Packard Bell when I moved uh, down here to be with her, and I think we spent more time saying inappropriate and nasty things to that computer than doing mo- most of anything else. <laughs> Yeah, and that was one of those four thousand dollar computers too. Yeah, <clears throat> well, there's you your problem. Yeah, it's not because you pay a lot of money <laughs> exactly. for something. That's good. Yeah, that, uh, boy, I don't miss working at office store. That sucked. I, I worked in the electronics department, and you know, I, I don't like sales. I mean, and, and maybe I was good at it, or I, I think I, the only reason I was good at it is because I was honest. But management hated me. Because I, you know, like they try to sell these extended warranties and I would talk people out of it, you know, because, you know, it's stupid. Yeah, but see, that management doesn't get that's how people come back. They just they, they yeah. want to get the money right now, but they don't realize that you create bonds with people and you, you sell them what they need, not what you want to sell them. And people come back and, you know, you don't screw them. And yeah. I don't know why. It's everywhere that I've ever worked, just management doesn't get that and yeah. the companies that are successful are the ones who do that it usually comes from on high because there's a mandate to have a certain sales goal and if you don't meet it you know the the future goal that you're going to get from sending somebody away with a, a good feeling doesn't add up to the bottom line it doesn't yeah. but people don't look at the long term it's like politics there's no long-term vision and thus you know quite often you miss out my dad has a theory that as soon as a company needs an HR department, they're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I have not you heard that theory. To manage the people who manage the people, <laughs> you know, you're really something's wrong. Yeah, that's yeah, probably no, the, true. The best companies I've worked for were, you know, mom and pop shops, you know, 10, 20, 30 employees and 
you know, everybody kind of knows each other. Everybody has a feeling of belonging and they all have the warm and fuzzies for each other. So, you know, it's, it's weird, funny to say, but that goes a long way. If, if, if you have management with a good attitude, that goes a long way towards promoting your business as well. If people feel good about their jobs, they're going to perform better. And these are all things that corporate America and, and Canada, corporate world has, has forgotten because of, of shareholders and, and their, you know, precious bottom lines. And watch this. And just to tie it in with ham radio, it's exactly the same reason why we need to make sure we extend that hand to new guys in the hobby or gals, whoever it would be, you know, to make them feel part of the group. Yeah. Because there's nothing that's going to keep people in it more than bringing them in the fold. Yeah, there's a show. Amen, that- brother. Yeah, yeah. Pre- preach like it, that? man. How'd you like that wrap around? That was pretty good. Eh? Uh, that was awesome. See, he is good. <laughs> he is good. He's very good. <laughs> Well, there's I'm another. Gonna quit, and I'm going to let you be co-host. No, he doesn't oh, want no. that. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got enough problems. <laughs> Jerry Taylor is a big advocate of that. He's he's another podcaster. We listen to his show. Yeah. He listens to our show, and I think on every episode of it, he does a show called the Practical Amateur Radio Podcast, and which is awesome. It is awesome, and his basic mission is like I think at least one time in every show he t- discusses Elmering. I mean that's. Yeah, that's his his goal is for, you know, it's like if you if you are a member of the hobby, and I think he says this, too, is like if you are a member of the hobby, you are an Elmer and you should take on that responsibility. And I would. Well, if you know, were- I did a video uh, called The Dark Side of Ham Radio, where I talk about uh, one of my first experiences on two meters, which was not pleasant. And, the, you know, the guys were kind of goofing around with me and, and not in a good way. I mean, they were toying with a new guy who was nervous about being on the air and didn't know really what I was doing. And, you know, and that's not the way to treat somebody new to the hobby. But what I find interesting about that video is if you read the comments, a lot of people watch the video and say, you're absolutely right. Or, you know, yeah, we need to work on that or, you know, you know, whatever. But then you get a group of people, maybe 20% or hopefully less that are like, Oh, you know, grow a pair of nuts, you know, get off the air. And, And then you think, you are exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, and, and, and it's interesting to look at the comments and kind of, and, and I've actually had a few people comment on it saying, if you read these comments, this is exactly what you're talking about, where you're not being an Elmer and you're not being friendly to people and you have this clickish mentality, which you've got to stop because that's what's going to kill this hobby. You know, in, in the frequencies and the, you know, the spectrum we have is so valuable that if you waste it being a jerk, what's the point? Well, the thing about commenting on a YouTube video is the same thing as being a person who is on one end of a radio and who feels like they have the ability to toy with somebody who comes on and is, you know, I guess they're, they consider it a form of hazing or whatever, but the reason they feel they can do it is because there's a certain level of anonymity and yeah, I mean, it's just like driving down the road. I mean, people cut you off, but if you were standing in the grocery store, they wouldn't do that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why Unless it's Black Friday. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? I think that sort of carries forward for from the uh, the point about being introverted and stuff like that is because it's a hobby where you can be alone and still participate. And when you when you're alone, when you're anonymous, you um, you grow a pair, I guess so you, can, you feel like you can yeah, do things yeah. that you uh, wouldn't otherwise do. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and I'm not bad mouthing ham radio community as you know as a whole either. I mean, most of the people I've met a lot of you know really nice people. I mean, people that I've then you know communicated with outside of ham radio. Uh, so you know, there's there's a lot of great people in it. But 
it, it should be the responsibility of the clubs and the repeater owners and things like that, that if you see somebody who's, you know, acting like a jerk to, you know, in a, some sort of adult friendly way, maybe off the air, tell them, hey, come on, you know, this, that's not cool. That's not the way we should be doing this. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, stepping off soapbox, but, you know, <laughs> it, re- it really is a shame. And, and, you know, you can tune to 75 meters at night. I mean, that's a zoo. It, it, that's not a good representative uh, kind of thing because we all are ambassadors and we all are Elmers, whether we want to admit it or realize it or not. And as soon as you go on the air, you've got to think about what you're saying. And, and it's just the way it is. Yeah. A lot of people though, they get, don't, you, go ahead. Uh, I was just saying a lot of, a lot of, or I don't know a lot, but some you clearly, they, you know, they have two guys that they talk to, they get on the same frequency every night and you know, it's to them, they own that frequency for that period of time. And you know, <laughs> You, you try and get yeah. in there, they'll, they'll treat you with all kinds of disrespect. I mean, even if you just have a question or even if you, you know, I've heard of cases where like even people who have an emergency, they'll, they'll tell people to screw off because, you know, they're in the middle of something. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not right. And the other thing we got to do, I mean, while I'm ranting about it is, <laughs> you know, it's, it's worth investing our times hams into the upcoming generation. Like one of the things, and I'm not tooting my own horn, I'm just using an example. One of the things I do every year is in my area, they have like a a scout, like a Boy Scout jamboree kind of thing for the, I don't know, maybe like a hundred mile radius. And I always schlep out there and do a ham radio demonstration. And it's usually raining and it's cold and it's crappy and I'd rather not be there. But the way I look at it is when I was a kid, my grandpa showed me you know, shortwave radio stuff. And I remember being just fascinated by it. And you don't know if that kid is going to be out in the crowd and is going to see that and something's going to click in their head. Cause everybody kind of has that moment in their life when they see something and it's like, wow, that is really neat. And then you, you don't know where that's going to lead, but you have to plant those seeds or we're done. And we need to really make sure we invest in that. And, you know, go do stuff like, you know, for scouts or whatever in your local area, you know, maybe for a school or whatever, because you just don't know. I mean, there might be that kid out there that that really clicks with and that grows into something bigger. And it's worth it's worth doing. At least I think it's worth doing. I have to agree with that. We, I have a story of uh, one of the local clubs here. I was talking to one of the local hams one day at a ham fest, and because uh, I've done the same thing, my girls are involved in girl guides. So uh, every year, I they ask me to go give a little demonstration, and and I only bring handy talkies, and and I set myself up on Echo Link and get them to talk to some friends in Florida and things like that. They think it's really cool, and we're, we're still you know uh, over the airwaves. But anyways, I was talking to a friend who said, oh, we we went to a school once and we gave a demonstration and not one kid signed up to our club so we never did it again and and I just wanted to grab him and shake him like you're just not getting it (laughs) and it's kind of the short term vision of of the people at their bottom lines and companies you know it's like it has nothing to do with with going to the schools and expecting all these kids to run to your club and and listen to a whole bunch of old men talk about finances of the club and stuff It's, it's just that it's planting the seed and that kid might not you know jump on that idea for another four or five, 10, 20 years. But like you say, uh, you just don't know. I mean, like the, I, there were some kids who lived down the road for me and I built a little crystal radio with them. Just got one of these little kits and they couldn't get over the idea that there were no battery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's something that, you know, when you're in ham and maybe, you know, I'm, I just turned 40, maybe you just, you know, 
its batteries aren't that weird to you, but you know, or, or the lack of batteries maybe. But for them, it was just astounding that they could get anything without any batteries. And you just don't know. I mean, maybe that kid will, that really clicks with them. And like you said, 15 years down the road that he's like, Hey, you know, that was pretty neat. And, you know, it could lead into a career or you, you just don't know. It's worth spending, you know, a couple of cold, wet hours on a Saturday, you know, once a year to do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good thing. It's a, you know, good community service as well. It's a promotion of ham radio. Um, it's just got all kinds of benefits. Indeed so. Yes, yes it does. Indeed, yes. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm sure we could sit here and, and have a, an interesting discussion like all night long, but we probably should not do that in the interest of keeping people actually listening to the show. <laughs> um, tying ropes and throwing them over the rafters. <laughs> well, well, maybe you could demonstrate how to tie that knot effectively before they do Actually, it. Yeah, I could, but I probably shouldn't. <laughs> All right. Well, so, five WMA in the chat box uh, mentions that he's a radio merit badge counselor. So, uh, good on you. That's very cool. Kudos, uh, Mike. Our club uh, just did a demo for Cub Scouts. Uh, demoed Morse code and HTs. They loved it. So, uh, I'm I'm reading everything backwards. Of course, uh, the more you recruit to ham radio, then the more political leverage you have with the uh, FC. In Congress, so there you go. And, uh, I, I know you're trying to wrap it up, but I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about that uh, Boy Scout thing. This was about I don't know three years ago. Uh, I had scheduled. I usually set up 80 meter, uh, and I kind of schedule a contact with a guy that's I don't know about 40 or 50 miles away. Well, for for some reason, I don't know either he wasn't at the radio or schedule got mixed up, and so I'm sitting there with 60 Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts uh, with no one to talk to. So some guy from Minnesota answers my call. And I'm, I said, well, I'm giving a demo and all this. And I usually let the kids come up and, you know, talk on the radio a little bit. This poor guy <laughs> was stuck on the radio talking to these kids for two hours. <laughs> and he talked to every one of them. I felt so bad for the guy because he did not, when he answered my call, he did not know what he was getting into. <laughs> but, you know, I'll give it to him. He hung in there. And, you know, and, and that was really cool to see that, you know, there's somebody out there who would randomly get suckered into something and give their time. But, man, I felt bad for that guy. <laughs> Uh, but if he talked, though, I mean, was uh, I'm sure he was having a great time there. I, I love it when I get to talk to youth on ham radio. Um, and, you know, I, I'm in my 40s as well. I'm 49. I'm almost in my 50s. But anyways, you, you don't hear that many kids. And it, they still have that, you know, that kind of wonder and amazement in their voice. Uh, and that kind of enthusiasm for life, I guess. And yeah, it's cool. They haven't become all jaded like Yeah. <laughs> See, my, my wife says that I've grown older, but I haven't grown up, so I don't really suffer from Yeah, chronolog chronological age and mental age. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> far, far apart in my case. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, it's uh, back, back to you, Russ. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't talked about or uh... – you know, because like I said, I probably could ask a million questions and things, <laughs> but, uh, you know, people can definitely know, check guess, out your, you know, it, you know, if you want to watch my videos, you can watch my throughout your nickname there. We've had a couple of uh, people ask in the text box. It's a D I G H S X. I guess I should, what is that? Delta India Gulf Hotel Sierra X-ray. Oh, excellent. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So there you go. Check out his videos. I think you've got what seven hundred ish out there now. Somewhere, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. I've been at it for about three years. Wow, not bad. Yeah. 
So I, I think uh, Mike said that he's actually seen your one, the uh, Dark Side of Ham Radio. I watched that one early on too. Um, I think uh, yeah. a lot of hams have probably seen that one. So, and I have a what is uh, ham radio too, where I kind of demonstrate all several different modes, and then like the first half, I kind of show a general overview of ham radio, and then the second half, I kind of talk about how I got into it and all that. Which I, I kind of like that video, but I don't know. And there's a there's a funny bit in that that most people don't catch, where I do uh, demonstrate satellite uh, communication, and when you see that part, all you hear is static on the radio, which has generally been my experience <laughs> with <laughs> satellite communication. <laughs> yeah. I just, I never could seem to get things lined up right and make it work. Yeah, I couldn't either. We actually tried to do that on our last uh, Google Hangout. Harrison and I were trying to make a, a two meter, well, a seven, 70 centimeter, two meter uplink downlink communication on uh, HO68, which went badly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah it did, I don't know. I just haven't had much luck with it. Yep. Yeah, it's easy to listen. I, I haven't figured out the transmit part yet. Well, you have to be so quick. I mean, because mm. time is limited, and if if you hear them doing it, I mean, they're just you know whizzing by, and everybody's just throwing out their grid square and their call, and it's, I just can't get the pacing right or something. Well, there's there's always something interesting about ham radio, and there's new technology and new things to try, like almost on a daily basis. So, I guess we just need and that's to- really. I mean, there, there's something for everybody. Yep. Really, I mean, there really is. I mean, if you want to get all nerdy and you know, start building kits or whatever, or you want to link your computer to it. Uh, you know, there's something for everybody in it. Yeah, it's never ending. I've been at it since uh, 95. And, uh, you know, I thought after a few years I'd know it all. And I realize now, oh. you know, almost 20 years later, I know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's cool. It's never ending. All right. I've got a collection of uh, QST magazines I got from a guy going back to the, I think, eight. 1922 is the oldest one I have, and oh, those are really fun to pull out and, wow. and look at. See, you know how far we've come and how much we haven't changed. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that is the beauty of that. Eh, it's a mix of, of yeah. old and new, and and yeah. often mixed together, which is also quite fascinating. Yeah. Anyways, we keep uh, throwing rust off the topic. So no, that's okay. Trying that's, to wrap that's it up and we're kind of going. Yeah, yeah, that's our <laughs> shit. Yeah. Ah, uh, no, Thank that's you. that's back quite you, all right. Back to you, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> Again. I, I I knew this would turn out to be good. I, I You know, if it turns out to be three hours long, it'll be three hours long. That's the way these things go. I appreciate you coming by here, Jay, and talking to us for a little while. It's been fun, as I knew it would be. Uh, you, no, not at all. Not at all. And uh, Gotta come back. Yeah. Can do. If you want to hang out for the last segment where we do feedback and such, you're welcome to. Otherwise, we can say, you know, sayonara to you now. Ah, listen, what the heck. <laughs> All right. Well, you can feel free to interject if you like as well. Always good. Usually when people pipe up. I see, I see you're giving away, just to derail you again, I see you're giving away a Raspberry Pi. Yes. We will be doing that Which very I actually, shortly. I have, I have a Raspberry Pi video right? unbox a Raspberry Pi, and I've got a new video for a Raspberry Pi i got to upload. I turned mine into a... Uh, wireless webcam or i guess time-lapse camera would be the way to describe it oh that's cool i got their raspberry pi camera kit and i have it set up pointed out a window and takes a picture every 10 minutes and then ftps it oh that's cool i haven't seen that yet or is that published i gotta gotta push that up yet it's not public yet oh okay cool well uh jay's video on raspberry pi will come free with the raspberry pi that we give away so (laughs) (laughs) at least a link to it yeah at least a link to it yeah it's a little added bonus there um, yeah, oh boy. 
<laughs> prepare to be underwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> so check out Jay's videos. You can find them where, where he said, dig HSX over on YouTube. Uh, you will not be disappointed and you will not be underwhelmed. I guarantee it. So hope everybody does. And uh, with that, I guess I need to find the other piece of music we're going to be doing. Uh, the Butcher's Ballroom, Diablo Swing Orchestra, Poetic Pit- Pitbull Revolutions. Okay, so in that case, we're going to listen to Poetic Pitbull Revolutions. The band is from Sweden, Stockholm specifically. The tune uh, was released in 2009, July, and it's a mix of uh, jazz rock, metal, instrumental, fusion, and they claim it's a dark and chill out.
scene. I thought that was a really cool tune. I like pretty much everything off of that album. It's, it's really good. I don't even know if they have another one, but I hope they do put one out at some point. Yeah, that one's been out for a bit. As alluded to in the little opening <laughs> bit from, from Rich, we have our Indiegogo campaign. If you don't know what that's all about at this point, I'm not sure what else I can say about it, but it will be ending on February 20th. That is in 16 days from now, as of the time of this recording. You can donate to our Hamvention Fund at igg.me stroke at, that's the letters A and T, stroke LHS 2014. Right now we're about halfway to our goal. I think we can pull this off. We'll just have to see. If you can donate, please do. If you uh, can get the word out on the various social media networks, please do, please do that as well. It would really help us out. And uh, we hope to see everybody at Hamvention. It should be a lot of fun. It'll be our, our fifth year, and I'm looking forward to it. I just hope we get to go. It's an anniversary. Cool. Every year is an anniversary. <laughs> no way, but this is like you know, a five-year anniversary. It's a, I think it's a wood anniversary, so you got to bring your wood. <laughs> Every time we talk about this, I talk about like taking people out to dinner, and you always make some rude comments about, you know. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> it, mention dinner. No, but you're talking about inappropriate things, and you said to bring wood with me, so, you know. Well, yeah, because it's the wood anniversary. So if it was the 25th year, I'd say bring silver. What are you talking about? Get your yeah. mind out of the gutter. Yeah, you made it that wood, point on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I worked that in there pretty smoothly. <laughs> yes, king of the segue you are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're at the point where people who know what this is about, we're waiting for. We're actually going to do the drawing. For the Raspberry Pi. Yay. Yay. <laughs> That's awesome. So a lot of uh, participants too. That's cool. Yeah, actually most of these folks were were people who um are just subscribers to the show, paid subscribers Not to the just show. Just subscribers. They're subscribers. That's right. They're subscribers. Yay. Yeah, they got a better yay. <laughs> they did get a better yay. They also wait, make sure I'm not muted. Okay, they also get a so we'll uh, list who's on the list here of people. We have Charlie Welch, Bob Chandler, Mike Aiello, Ben Schram, Richard Gordon, Hi Rich, Robert Halliday, Steve Conklin, Jonathan Spriggs, Walter Jones, Doug Jones, Brian Smith, Rubens Kinjo, Johnny Kinsey, Gary Utz, Bill Hyatt, Ronald Elke, Paul Griffith, Charles Hale Robert Yerke, David Lindbergh, Scott Pettigrew, Michael Conley, Bill Arcan, Mike Kennedy, Jeremy Hall, Jonas Rulo, and we have some voicemails that we need to listen to. So these are the folks who uh, entered by not being paid subscribers, but instead by calling our voice line and telling us what they would do with their new Raspberry Pi by way of entry. Um, we have three of these, and then we have a special one we need to do from Rich, and then an even more special one we have to do from Mike who uh, actually is going to be the only person who has two entries in this. And I guess I better put, let me add his second entry down here at the bottom. So he's also got number 30. All right. Nice round number two. Yep. Nice round number. He's got number, what is he? Number three and number 30. That's interesting. It's a palindrome. Ah, uh, coincidence? <laughs> I think not. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I think it's totally a coincidence. All right, totally. so let me see. We have uh, the first one here, and I'm going to have to try and uh, pause these where relevant information is, but we'll see the first one. I'm so good at this. All right, here we go. My Raspberry Pi will be used 
to repair the healthcare.gov website. Alan Kaplan. Okay, I think that's all of that one I need to play. So he should get that one just for saying that. Well, yeah, but the only problem is I don't <laughs> I don't think one Raspberry Pi is going to do it. But if he can, it's very powerful. I, I wonder if he wins this. If we should make him like stay true to his word, is that like? <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. like if you get <laughs> hunt you down and kill you if you don't fix it. That's right. <laughs> All nice. right. So Alan Kaplan, I got you uh, down. You're number twenty-seven on the list. And let's see, let's do the next one, which is right here. Hello, I'm Jordan, and I will be using my new Raspberry Pi to build a IKEA main cabinet. All right. Well, that's all we need to hear about that one. So that's actually a cool idea and one that might actually be possible <laughs> as opposed to reforming healthcare.org or, or .gov, whichever one it is. Um, building an Ikea main cabinet. I'd love to do that myself. That's a good idea. That's a handy use for a, a Raspberry Pi. All right. Here is... Hello, LHS crew. This is Lord Blue, dropping online for the Raspberry Pi contest. Now, if you want to know why... I think I deserve a Raspberry Pi. Well, as of this recording, it is December 6th. In six days, it is my birthday. And while Raspberry Pi won't be given away until February, I think it would be excellent thing as a belated birthday present to crack open that box, pull out that delicious Raspberry Pi, to cut it open, add a little bit of uh, whipped cream, maybe a candle in remembrance of what is passed for me, and to sit down and enjoy some tasty, tasty raspberry pie as a belated birthday present. Well, thanks, guys. Keep up the great show, and I will catch you all later. That made me hungry. <laughs> well, we know what uh, Lord D is going to do with his raspberry pie should he get it. <laughs> I guess he's going to eat it. Uh, maybe you should make a video of that. That would be good. So we also have one from Rich who doesn't, you don't get another entry, Rich, for doing this. You are already entered, but uh, I guess we should play your message. Let me see which one is his message. I think that's this one. What's going on, Russ and uh, Peter? Uh, this is Ricardo, and I just wanted to tell you about what I would do with a Raspberry Pi. Okay, so uh, I would, if I won the Raspberry Pi and the Mega Millions, but probably won't happen, but maybe it will. And if it does, this is what I would do. Okay, I would I would get like 64 Impala or maybe an El Camino, maybe a 78 El Camino or 72 Nova. That would be pretty cool too. Uh, but And then get some hydraulics for it. And then, you know, the high-volume ones, the, the high-volume pumps, you get a pump for each, uh, for each cylinder, you know, because uh, otherwise it wouldn't work very good. But anyway, then I would use the Raspberry Pi to control the hydraulics. But not just that. I would, I would also synchronize. I was listening to Hacker Public Radio, uh, and this dude was, like, using a, a Pi to synchronize his Christmas lights to the music. So I would, like, do that, but with the hydraulics. Then it was like, you know, you go boom, boom, and then the car would jump and stuff. And that would be, oh, that would be wicked. And uh, you could use hydrogen to, like, make a wicked uh, bass track. There's good bass drum kits in there, uh, in hydrogen there, you know. That's that drum kit thing that you could do. And uh, you could all do that on the Pi. And then what would be super wicked cool would be, like, if you could write an app. Maybe I'll get some uh, white dude from the community college to write me a little <laughs> app for my phone. And then it would, like, uh, uh, I could control... 
like the car with my with my phone, you know, and like just connect to the Raspberry Pi via like an ad hoc network or something like that, you know. And then uh, better use a good password. Uh, <laughs> so it'd be like, hey, hey, my car got hacked. But anyway, that would be crazy. Uh, uh, anyway, that would be pretty cool. And then you even you could even like use uh, like put a uh, stepper motor uh, somehow connected to the steering wheel and get a little something for the accelerator too, you know. And then like I could be walking by the car, you know, like for a parade or something, and like no one could be inside. And then I could be like controlling the car and driving the car, you know, like in you know you're not going real fast or anything, just a couple miles an hour. So that's what I would do if I won the Mega Millions, I guess, and the and the Raspberry Pi. But if I don't win the Mega Millions, I would probably turn it into uh, the Raspberry Pi. I would turn it into an MP3 player. I was listening to the Retro Computing Roundtable with uh, Earl and Carrington. You know, <laughs> these dudes are pretty funny, but um. There was uh, uh, you know, he was talked about this uh, shield for the pie that you could put on it, and a shield is like this thing that fits on the top. It just like goes right on, and it had like an LCD screen and some buttons, and you could control, the, you could uh, program the buttons to do different things. And so I would like um, to, uh, just make an MP3 player out of it, and then uh, you know just set up like a cron job to uh, to download the you know use mash fodder or whatever or whatever. And then you could just fire it up, and then you could use those buttons to just crank the song or go back, and then the LCD display would just show, like, what song you were on. and That would be pretty cool. Uh, so, you know, maybe turn it into an MP3 player with one of those LCD shields. I think they sell them at Adafruit or something like that. Oh, and by the way, show, um, the best show ever, man, was Linux in the Ham Shack, show number 115, man. Those dudes, uh, those were some funny weapons you had on there. Okay, first three, man. Okay, well, Richard gets the Racial Insensitivity Award. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. There's no whiter dude than Richard, by the way, for those of you who don't know. That's a white dude from the community college. (laughs) Yeah, that was a very long and drawn-out explanation of what he was going to do with his Raspberry Pi, which, of course, none of it will ever happen, but... uh... Yeah, he's, uh, he's have got to become, the gift of gab for sure. That's for sure. That was almost four minutes of that. <laughs> All Should right. I played that for a second song? Well, that's true. I didn't even think about it. Let's see. Were there any more that I have to play here? That's all there is. But then we have uh, Mike Aiello's special entry, which I've got queued up here. He wrote us a haiku about the Raspberry Pi, which uh, went along to the sort of special entry. Uh, So he gets an extra entry for this. Delicate morsel, full-blown Linux hides within. A Raspberry Pi. So that was very zen, Mike. Very. Even with sound effects, that's awesome. (laughs) Very cool. Yep. So there's our special entry. So now I guess we just need to, after all of that, just get down to it and find out who's going to win this thing. Uh, Once again, the prize, a pristine, in-the-box, brand-new, unused, uh, uneaten Raspberry Pi with an HDMI to DVI converter and USB power supply, all of which will be shipped to your door for your enjoyment. So I 
pop over here to random.org and I reload the page and I set the minimum number to one and I set the maximum number to 30, which is the number of entries we have. And I click the button and the answer is 28. And now I'm not looking at that again. So who is 28? Uh, that would be the voicemail from Jordan, and we didn't get a last name on Jordan, but he did send his email address. So congratulations, Jordan. Uh, you send it to him by email? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to fax it to him. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice and flat. It might work. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thanks, everybody, for participating in the contest and for being subscribers. And uh, we'll have another contest coming up at some point, I'm sure. Just not sure when. It's probably after Hamvention, after uh, all of that goes down. But congratulations again to Jordan. Thanks for the voicemail. And I will be in contact with you shortly to uh, find out where to ship this to. And uh, hopefully you'll uh, let us know uh, when you get it and what you do with it. If you yeah, actually keep it, us informed. Yeah, if he actually builds the IKEA main cabinet, I want pictures. That'll be cool. I'd like to see that. So uh, with that, uh, you know what? I think we're just going to have to hold off on feedback because we have just uh, gone completely off the rails here and gone way too long. So feedback is just going to get pushed to uh, next episode, 124. So uh, sorry, folks, for uh, who sent us feedback. We will address it uh, in a future episode. And uh, some people have already been answered. And if it's something we can reply to, you know, during or via uh, Google Plus or, or email, we will we will do that. But we'll get to it. We, we truly will. Yeah, we answer all our feedback in, 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 you know, internet real time. I mean, I always answer my emails. Right. I just don't always read them in the uh, next episode is all. I also wanted to say a quick thing about the fact that we're now doing uh, Google Plus Hangouts. We have uh, had a couple of them. The second one was actually recorded, and it's up on YouTube, and the link to the YouTube video is on our website. If you go to our website and go to the content link uh, in the drop-down menu, there is now a new link for videos, uh, and any future Google Plus Hangouts or any other videos that we do will be there. Uh, they are freely available. You don't have to be a paid subscriber to, to uh, check those out. Of course, you can see them all on the Linux and the Hamshack channel over on YouTube anyway. So uh, check that out. And if you want to participate, the next one is going to be when our Indiegogo campaign ends on February 20th. It's not going to start till 10 p.m. Central, so it's going to be late for a lot of people. But uh, I'm planning to stay up until 2 o'clock until, you know, the, the Indiegogo campaign actually ends so uh, if you want to participate in that and uh, have a chit-chat and, you know, be a part of it, I don't know if you'll get a chance to do that, Pete, because it's pretty late on a Thursday. So <laughs> um, Thursday's not bad. Friday's a quiet day for me in the weekends. I can sleep on the weekend. Okay. Well, if uh, any, you know, uh, as many of us as can participate will participate. And uh, if you want to join in and watch or be a part of it, you can do that. And uh, information's on the website. So that's that. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun last night. Yeah. And if you want to check out the last one we did, you know, go to the, the video link and uh, check out the one we did, though. I would suggest starting at about 40 minutes in uh, because the first 40 minutes was basically just a lot of technical difficulties <laughs> after oh, that's that. Typical, as yeah. shows. After that, it gets good. And then the next one will be a lot better. So, all right, we're at the social media roundup. So you're up. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> Yay. Thanks. Nothing like getting shoved right in the middle of it. <laughs> well, we do have to wrap up the show before 2015. So <laughs> yeah, <thanks. laughs> yeah. lots of time, lots of time. <laughs> Alrighty then, well, to start the social media roundup, this week we had John Kresge join us on Facebook. 
On Google Plus, we had Mark DeHaan, Ryan Frederick. I have no clue how to even pronounce that name. Probably like Neregis Ubonis. Let's go with that. Sure. Uh, Taj Sarah. I'm hoping I got his last name right. John Hayes and Sebastian Orzikowski. I'm taking a stab at that one as well. Uh, on Twitter, there was Noise Blankers ARC, John Mann, Martin Rigby, Denny Johnson, Steve Chandler, and Mike Wachowski. <laughs> Is that for real? That I, I'm guessing so. I'm thinking of Mike. I'm thinking of Mike Wazowski. Sorry. Yeah, Mike Wazowski. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my mistake. Mike Wazowski. You know how the little girl says it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Carry on. And that's it. Nobody joined the mailing list, and apparently nobody bought anything from our cafe press or perfection stores. Uh, I'm very sad. So sad. Mike Wazowski. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and we need to have a Linux in the Hamshack with Mike Wazowski on it. Yeah. <laughs> Except we get sued uh, six ways to Sunday for that. So, all right. Well, thank you for the social media roundup. Thank you to all those folks who uh, either liked us on Facebook or joined our circle on Google Plus or follow us on Twitter and all those other things. And uh, did you miss the donations? Um, yes, I probably did because I got shoved right in the middle of this. Uh, yep. I connect and I was told to go. So, <laughs> so yes, last but not least, we have donations and subscriptions. Charlie Welch, Ron Elke, and Paul Griffith all joined us for a year. Yeah, excellent. Love the yearly Yay. subscribers. And they actually get a little bit of a discount for being a yearly subscriber. It's about four bucks off per year. So, excellent, excellent. All right. Well, I guess that's it. So I will say uh, thanks once again, Jay, for being here, I, for, you know, sitting, suffering through with us this whole debacle. Wow. Two and thir- <laughs> two and a half hours we've been going. Amazing. Uh, I'm going to have to somehow whittle an hour off of this thing. <laughs> I'm sure you'll have no trouble doing that. I guess if I just take yeah. the parts with me and Pete out, it'll be a good show. Beginning. Yeah, well, there was like a half an hour of uh, technical difficulties. at the beginning. Well, that's right true. There. And then there's that bit that I have to make a soundbite out of. I'll have to remember that. So, Yeah, well, that's only two <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. So thanks again, Jay. And if you want to check out his uh, YouTube channel, Dig HSX, uh, I highly recommend you do so. And uh, uh, maybe someday he'll talk to you on air, too, which would also be cool because hey, he's man. a good guy. So, <laughs> Well, thanks for having me. Uh, it was fun, and I hope maybe someday you'll uh, come out of your hermit shell again and say hi or something <laughs> yeah why not what the heck yeah what the heck you only live once right all right that's a good impression that's good oh yeah maybe we'll see <laughs> he could just be being <laughs> he could just be being nice it's that veneer you know he's putting on yeah, no, I, I had a good time it was fun i just hope everybody wasn't like oh my god <laughs> you know? we'll tight we'll tighten it up in post it'll all be fine <laughs> yeah. I, I listen to it i'm not even in the show <laughs> No, don't worry. You'll you'll be well and truly highlighted. All right, Pete, take us out. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for being here. Uh, Check us out. Our website is lhspodcast.info. 
can become an ambassador uh, visiting the website. All the information is there. You can uh, go to your upcoming event and uh, you can share some information uh, on how you could, uh, sorry, we'll share some information with you on how you can represent Linux in the Hanshack at your nearby Linux conference or HamFest. Email us, please. Info at lhspodcast.info info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail like Richard has done uh, 1909LHSshow that's 1909-547-7469 all hate mail is routed to Harrison at hatemail at lhspodcast.info subscribe to the mailing list there's a link on the website as uh, the lovely Cheryl mentioned please go to Cafe Press and Printfection check out some of our uh, show merchandise each purchase uh, helps out the show a little bit you can also help us out by clicking on the sponsored ads on the right hand side of the uh, homepage every time you click it gives us a little bit of uh, uh, stuff for our kitty as well so that's uh, www.cafepress.com slash lhspodcast www.printfection.com slash LHS podcast. Listen to us live every other Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Central Time. That's Wednesday at 0200 Zulu. Recording schedule and countdown timer, which isn't working, by the way, unless you're in the right time zone, for the next episode is on the website. Thanks to all of our listeners, live and quasi-live. My name's Pete. My call sign, Victor Echo 2, X-Ray, Papa Lima. I am from Montreal, Canada, and I'm saying good night, everyone. Take it away, Russ. All right, this is Russ, K5TUX, uh, coming to you live from between the peaks in the pine forest of north central Arkansas. You can find me on all the social media networks out there, Google+, Facebook, etc., etc., etc. I'm J.R. Woodman, also <coughs> cough, 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 K5TUX at 73s.org. Uh, send us voicemail, send us feedback, send us uh, your money. <laughs> uh, whatever it is, just send it to us. Uh, don't send us your children. We don't want them. Um, I guess with that, we're going to sign on out of here. So we'll catch you in a couple of weeks for episode number 124 of Linux in the Ham Shack. Everyone have a good fortnight. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Oh, uh,